Good morning. It is a good day. I was telling a few folks uh, last night we we uh, we've been busy putting up some hay, and we'd had a bunch of little square bales out there on the field. There's like 1,260 of these little square bales. We need to get them bundled. We're gonna put in the shed. Last night I was not worried about rain whatsoever. There was like a zero percent chance on my phone. It seems like. And uh, anyway, had kind of a busy day yesterday, but I told Andrew we kind of need to go get that in the shed. Knew today was going to be full, and so we weren't going to have time. And so we, uh, she came and drove the pickup trailer, and we got all them bundles in the shed. There was just something telling us, just get it in, just get it done. And so that's what we did. And then this morning she wakes up and she said, "Did it rain last night?" I'm like. Oh, we don't get rain around here. <laughs> and then I look outside and I see this big puddle in our corrals. And I'm like, ah, oh, we got a water leak. <laughs> then I realize, it rained! <laughs> Hallelujah! So anyway, it was good to see that. Uh, and it was a good rain. We had a good rain over there. I don't want to brag if you didn't get rain. I'm on a high right now, so... <laughs> oh, man. It is so good. Welcome... Welcome to Beach Island. We got a few new faces in here, and we're we're definitely glad to see you. Uh, thanks for being here, um, and for those of you that have been here forever, good to see you too, for sure. Uh, Corey Clark, our pastor preacher with pastoral duties, uh, like Jeff said earlier in Sunday school, he is not with us today. Uh, his daughters, he's got two daughters now. They're rodeoing, and they're out in Manhattan, Kansas, in a high school rodeo and texted him this morning he said they had a good day yesterday i don't know what that meant but apparently uh they're doing well and so anyway he was sending his prayers this direction as well so we we can think of him while he's off getting filled this is kind of his time away from here to be able to fill himself and that's important for him so so we are glad uh, that he can do that and uh so you get me and in the past, I've called myself the B-Team, JV, whatever, Adam Wills, I think he said something about JV, and Corey has reprimanded us saying you are not JV, and, and uh, I hope that's true. Because <laughs> the words that are in this Bible right here, that's the varsity. You know, the rest of us, we're just using our voices the best that we can to, uh, to relay what God has, has told us. So, anyways, uh, welcome to Beecher Island. Uh, Corey says it every Sunday, and I'm going to say it this Sunday. Beecher Island is a Jesus-loving Bible-preaching church. We're independent, non-denominational, and uh, there's just a body of believers that come here, and I'm so, so thankful and so proud to be part of it, and uh, and that's exactly what we do. We preach the truth. We preach straight, straight from, the, from the Word, and if something comes out wrong, I'm guaranteeing somebody's going to make sure it's right. <laughs> so that's exactly what we do, so we thank you. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, what a good day. Uh, I tell you what, last Sunday I kind of shared just a little bit, um, and I kind of went through a valley a week or so before that, and it was it was kind of a long drawn out valley, and uh, and we Andrew and I uh, kind of have a little ministry the first Friday of every month at our place we call it the Open Gate, and and I kind of was a little bit still in that valley when when that happened, and there were some things that was laid on my heart, and I've just been able. I've, I've got some pretty good wrestling matches with God here lately. And there's things that, um, well, I'll, let me just finish that. He always wins. I don't say that. No one's I've been able to get out on top of that deal. But he's always, he's always pulled me through. He's always um, given me what I need. 
And sometimes it's things that I don't want to hear, but later on it's like, well, yeah, obviously that's what makes sense. And so uh, there's things as, as Christians, as believers, when we look through the Bible and we read certain things that we get in wrestling matches because there's things that either we don't like it or it's things we just don't understand it the way that He wants us to understand it. And you can read it and you can read it and you can read it again. And sometimes one day it's just going to hit you like, yeah, that's what you've been trying to tell me for so long. And so we get in these wrestling matches and... And it's all right. It's all right. It'll wear you out. And then uh, when you come out and you see His glory in it, it was, it was worth the wrestling match. Um, so uh, this morning, I want to jump into Hebrews. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12 to start off with. Uh, so if you, want to, if you want to take the time to flip into your Bibles and, uh, and grab Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to be right at the beginning of that in verse, uh, well, we'll just start... 3rd Hebrews chapter 12. As you're going there, uh, let's, let's, go to, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just, again, thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the rain last night that, um, that, that brings life to the things that, that we make our livelihood off of. Lord, uh, but we know that you, that, that you send rain to the just and the unjust. And Lord, just because I pray for it, maybe that's not, you just send it because, you, because that's your will. And God, I just thank you for that right now. God, I just thank you for this morning and all these people. Lord, I thank you for your word. And uh, thank you for everything that's written down in this Bible. And God, that we can dive into it and, uh, and we can grow in the faith that you have provided for us. Uh, Lord, just let our ears and our hearts be open. God, to minister to me as, as I speak your words. And uh, Lord, I just pray that, uh, that the... That that those that are hearing this today, whether they're in this building, or whether they're online, Facebook, YouTube, whatever you want to call it, Lord, that uh, this, this message can reach them in big ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, I just want to start. We're just going to start verse 1. I'm going to go down to about verse 3, and then there's some of it that I'm just going to pick out of there. Therefore, since we have, uh, we have so great a cloud of witnesses... Surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There is a lot of meat. There's a lot of things that we can, we can grab and grasp and pray on and think about from this passage in Scripture. Um, but this morning, I'm going to concentrate on verse 2. And specifically, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. The author and perfecter of faith. Now, some of us, you might, I'm reading out of the NASB Bible, and it says perfecter of faith. Uh, I, if, if, uh, if Nathan Andrews was here, he'd have his King James open. I guarantee you that. And King James, I believe, is his finisher of faith. Is that right? And, uh, and then I think the newest version of the New International Version says pioneer of faith. And, uh, and I was just looking that up because I thought it was kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, um, I don't know that any of these is exactly right. I don't think any of them are wrong. I think they all have their merit. But it's one of those things that I'm like, God, and I, and I got in a wrestling match with him. I'm like, well, which one's right? 
I, I think they're all right to a certain point. We're going to get into that just a little bit. Uh, but as, as I was reading that, and I was thinking about the author and the perfecter of our faith, I think that is so awesome that that came from Christ. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And many times in our Christian walk, and we are trying to learn more about God, learn more about Jesus, um, there's other wrestling matches. There's other questions that come up. And I remember uh, some of you were here when Matt Miles came with uh, Creation Truth and he had all the dinosaurs up here on stage. If you weren't here, it was an awesome presentation that he did. But one thing that he said that will always, always, always stick out to me is he said, God never called us to have a blind faith. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you must have a blind faith. We can question, we can ask, we can, we can dive into it, we can wrestle with Him until we get the answer. And sometimes I think, you know what, I'm not sure that there really is an answer in the way that I want to see it in the Word. And sometimes I wonder, well, maybe, maybe I'll get that answer one day when I get to heaven. He will reveal that to me. And sometimes I kind of think, it, don't, it probably won't matter when I get to heaven if that gets answered or not. Or maybe when we get there, maybe that answer will just, maybe we'll just all of a sudden have that knowledge. But as we read through the Bible, there are certain things uh, that, I, that I think about that I'm like, I don't really have a clue what that means or what I'm supposed to do with that. So if you do have your Bibles right quick, just for the fun of it, flip it open to Exodus, or I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 10. If you have it, I'll give you just a little bit of time. Chapter 10, Genesis chapter 10, first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 10. And as you're reading down through there, you can see that Genesis chapter 10 is just one great big genealogy. It's just a list of people. And what's cool, when, and, and when you read through those genealogies, sometimes I get, I get stuck on a name that might have something behind it. So if you look right quick at, uh, let's see, it's in verse 25. It says, two sons were born to Eber, if that's how you say it. The name of the one was Peleg. Is that how you say that? Peleg. 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 And it says right behind that, for in his days the earth was divided. I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? Why? How is the earth divided? And I think about, like, I know in science and in, in science class we were all taught at one point that, that all of the land on earth was one big giant landmass, right? And so, like, how did that happen? And they say over millions of years, billions of years, these land masses have, have, have grown apart. But... Right there it says, for in his days the earth was divided. And I'm not saying that that's the answer of how all the continents got apart right in that time, but I know that in chapter 11, he talks about the Tower of Babel, and that, that the Lord came down and confused the languages. And so it makes me wonder if Peleg was in the time of the Tower of Babel, and God was like, I'm splitting you guys up, and the earth was divided. I don't know. I've been in a wrestling match. And there's a good chance during my time up here, there might be more questions than answers. I'll tell you that right now. I don't have an answer for that, but it makes me wonder. He doesn't call us to have a blind faith. Did, was that the time that God divided the earth? I think it's kind of cool. Everybody's like, okay. Kind of crazy. <laughs> All right, well, while we're at it, let's go to uh, flip, flip clear to the back of your, your Bible. Go to Revelations. Here's another thing that Andrew and I, we had, we had a little bit of discussion on this. This, uh, this week too. So Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And as you get there, go through to the end of the chapter in verse 15. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. It says, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. My question is, 
And maybe, maybe some of you may have an answer for that. This and that, that would be cool. But it says, if any anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Is our name the same on heaven as it is on earth? In heaven as it is on earth? Do we have the same name? Does God know me by Tucker Lowell? And in a way, I'm like, I hope not. <laughs> I hope he's got a way cooler name than Tucker Lowell. But it makes me wonder because in other times in the Bible, you can look at Abram and Sarai. Is it Sarai? Is that how you say? I think there are a couple different ways to pronounce that. That's the way I'm going to call it. Abram and Sarai, they had this, you know, they came to God and God was working through them. He changed their name to Abraham and Sarah. They got new names. And we can go, we can go into Acts and we meet Paul, Saul. Saul, it was Saul first. And then he had this big encounter with Jesus. And then they started calling him Paul. I'm like, he, he got his name changed. Like, do I get it? Is it the same name? I don't know. But I did do a little bit. We, we looked it up because I thought this was kind of fun. I might get this backwards. But this is a little Bible trivia for you. When I looked up the word Saul, it came from, it, it, was, the, it was a word based from some other, something that was close to Saul. And when I looked up Paul, Paul is the same name. Paul is the Jewish version and Saul is the Hebrew version. I thought that was cool. You know what else is cool about it? Do you know what it means? It means small. It means small. That's what it says. It means small. Saul and Paul means small. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but yet this dude is small. Well, yeah. Compared to God, that dude is nothing. But but that's what that's what that I just thought that was cool. So that's a little bit of Bible trivia for you. So these are wrestling matches. These are things that I get get uh, I get in a wrestling match with God, and I wonder. So so when we go back to Hebrews twelve two, and it talks about that He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. I think this is exactly what He's doing. He's He's wanting us to come to Him and wrestle with Him and and let Him minister to us. Let Him come and tell us what He wants us to hear. I think about the fact that he's a perfecter. He is a perfecter of faith. And I remember I shared my salvation testimony this morning in Sunday school. And it's not a big thing. It was when I was a little kid. Well, it was a big thing. But it was when I was a little kid. And, and I think about when I came to the faith at that point in my life. And then I look at my life now. Here I am 35 years old. And I look at my life. Is my faith any different? I'm not sure that it is. It is the same faith because He's the one who perfected it. It's not me that makes my faith any better or, or less. Sometimes I'm weak in the faith, or I think I am. But if He's the one that created it and it was a gift from Him, then it is perfect. He's the finisher of faith. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the first and the last. He finished it. It's done for. There ain't nothing more I can do to get the faith. It is His faith. It comes from Him. And we're going to get into that a little bit. The pioneer thing, I'm not really sure what to do with that. I like that word, though. But a pioneer is somebody that, that goes into uncharted territories, uncharted places, and they start new stuff. Well, I can tell you this, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, resurrected. That's pretty uncharted waters, you know. Uh, so, so maybe he is a pioneer of our faith. I'm not sure that pioneers ever finished it. I'm not sure that pioneers ever perfected it. But I like the fact that we can use all of those as to what our faith is. Not only is He the perfecter, not only is He the finisher, not only is He the pioneer of faith, but He is the author of faith. I think about, I think about when I went to college. And uh, 
you know, like my junior, senior year, and then upper level, 300 level classes that burned my brain. And uh, at the beginning of the year, the beginning of the semester, you would have to go and buy your book. Well, back in our day, and in your day, <laughs> we had to buy books. Now, now uh, I was right on the verge. Uh, there's a lot of laptops and stuff goes on in, in college classes now, but we had to go buy these books. And it was this big old thick thing, and, and if you bought it brand new, it was like 250, 300 bucks for all this knowledge. But I had a small checkbook and a light pocket, so I went and like either stole it from my buddy or I, I bought the used one that had like chapter 12 that was probably the most important tour out of it or something, you know. Because but but regardless, we had to go get these books in college, and these books were authored by someone. They they were written by someone, and somehow. When we had this book, we had a book that had a lot of knowledge in it. But you know what? Just because I was packing that book around doesn't mean that I got the knowledge. I could have it with me. I could have it on my person all the time. But unless I used my brain and my heart and my time and, and really dove into it to figure out what it was, I wasn't get, going to get nothing out of it. Just because he was the author of it doesn't mean that I was going to get anything out of it. He, he, he is the author of our faith. We don't gain all the knowledge about our faith unless we use our brain and our heart and, and our soul to dive into Him and to figure out the, the immense things that faith is. He's the author of it, but it takes us to go and dive into it and figure that out. You know, this morning when we were headed here, uh, Elliot, a while back, uh, learned about the fruits of the Spirit. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's a fruit. If you think about that, that he's the one that he's the one that designed the tree that made the fruit, and he he's he's the one that designed that fruit. All we gotta do is pick it. It's perfect. It's full. It's whole. It's right there. Sometimes it might be a little riper than others, and I'm not really sure where to go with that, but it's there. That's the fruit. And I think maybe the further along that we get in our walk, the riper that fruits get. I don't I don't know how to say that, but I know it's a fruit of the spirit. And it's awesome. So I've done quite a little wrestling. Now I'm trying to figure stuff out, and the, more, and the more I dive into it, sometimes the more questions I have. Sometimes when you open the Bible, you come up with more questions than you do answers. But Jesus is the perfecter and the author of faith. And He's going to provide it for you. Like I was saying just a little bit earlier, I've grown immensely in the faith. This last couple couple weeks, and I think maybe even it's a it's maybe the biggest growth that I've had because I've I went through this valley, and you don't need to know all the details of that, and it doesn't matter. But I've come up on the other side. Thank God that He was there in the middle of it, that He was there, and I could feel Him hanging on to me, and I was hanging on to Him for all my might. I just didn't know, and He got me up out of it, and I have grown immensely in the last couple weeks just just knowing that He is the ultimate perfecter of faith. And that I have part of that. I get that. Uh, like I was talking about the open gate here last week, um, the message that was on my heart was, uh, was Philippians 4.12. And uh, Philippians 4.12 and, and 13, I should say, it says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him that strength, who strengthens me. 
And at that point in my life, I was a, I was a little bit at this valley. I was, I was like, and, and there was that point in my life that God had brought me to a couple times. Um, I, I was shocked. We were bailing hay. I didn't have anything left. And there was times that God needed me to go and pray for someone. And I did. And there was a time that God needed me because we had some company show up. And we had this big, big, long talk about faith. And he was, he was, he was a Catholic. And so I challenged him. And he challenged me. And we talked about it. And I told God, I'm like, man, I, I, don't, I don't have anything. It's got to be you. I said a short prayer. I was like, it's got to be you, whatever it takes. And God provided that strength for me to do those things. And at that point, when I was at the open gate last Friday, I was, you know, when you don't have any strength left, when you physically don't, you don't know that you can go anymore, you're mentally shot, you're physically shot, spiritually shot, that He gives you that strength. There's something that I need to fix because George pointed it out to me. Not only does He give you strength in the low times, because it says, I can do all things through Christ. And I want to make sure that I fix that because I, at that point I was just thinking about my low. I was thinking about myself. I was thinking about where I was at and that I needed Him in that point. But when you come to Christ and you have faith, you can do all things. Whether you're on a mountaintop or whether you're at the bottom, whether they're, uh, whether you're sick, whether you're fighting something, uh, whether, whether you are the President of the United States, it doesn't matter. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. This week uh, I had a opportunity to listen to a sermon from Sir or uh, Major Ian Thomas and uh, I listened to it about four or five times because if you ever had heard a sermon by Major Ian Thomas there's a lot of depth and he covers a lot of country in a big hurry and it took me about four or five times to listen through this and I think he's passed away now I think he this sermon was probably clear back from the 70s or 80s that I listened to but it still pertains the word of God <laughs> Just because it happened in the, just because that sermon was in the seventy or eighties, the word of God will last forever, and so it, it pertained no matter what. But this major Ian Thomas, um, he said some pretty amazing things in the sermon that I listened to, and uh, and it, it really really sank in. And he talked about he talked about the gospel, and I think about the gospel and what I know of the gospel, and the truth of the gospel. And the gospel is the fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and He came, and He was born of a virgin, and He went in this life, He, he led a life that was sinless, He was perfectly sinless, he, he was tempted, He was tired, He was worn out, He cried out to God, He did things that we do as humans, but He did it without sin, and He helped people out, He healed, He did all these things, and when all that was done, the Romans came and arrested Him, they beat him, put a cross, and we know this, put a cross on his head. They whooped him, beat him, made him carry his cross up the hill. Another guy helped him out, got up to the place of the skull, and he was nailed to a cross. And in that time, when he was nailed to the cross, and he was bleeding, and he was wounded, it was for, for our transgressions, not for, what, not for what he did, not for what he deserved, but for what we deserve. All of us should have been there on that cross. But Jesus Christ came down, and he took care of that, and he wiped slate clean and when we accept that we are we are we are clean we are white as snow our sins are thrown into the sea of forgetfulness they're cast as far as the east is from the west all the things that we hear all the time that is the gospel that Jesus Christ came down here and he did that for us but some way somehow 
That's where I've always stopped. And in my mind, I know that that wasn't the, all the gospel. And when I listened to that sermon that day, it dawned on me because he said that he went on. He got buried in a tomb for three days. And then he was resurrected. He was raised back to life. And I've always thought, well, yes, I know that. And Jesus Christ, he, he came out of that tomb. He spent a little more time here on earth. And then he was taken up into heaven to be at the right hand of God. That's awesome. But what Adrian Thomas said, he was raised to live inside of us. Why had I not caught that before? I stood up there after praise and worship after, this, after the end of every service for the last year and a half or whatever it's been, and I always lead the body in prayer at the end, and I always, I always, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful for Jesus and what He did, and He came and He died on the cross for us. I'm so thankful for that. And then I, I always pray, like, we just know, Lord, that you went and you're sitting at the right hand of God. But it never hit me, even though I've heard it a hundred times, it never hit me that Jesus Christ was raised again so that he could live inside of me. What a revelation that was. It, it says in the Bible that our body is a temple. Of course it is. If Jesus Christ was raised to live in us, of course it's a temple. We should take care of it. We know that. It says that we shall... John 3.16 For God so loved this world that He gave His only begotten Son for whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's about life. It's about Him living in and through us. And I'm a pretty positive guy most of the time. I try to keep my glass half full. I'm not a half empty kind of guy. That's why I get to think like... Absolutely. Like, He gave me life. Why am I stuck on death? I don't want to be stuck on death. I want to have life. And He talks about that we get eternal life. And I know that too. I know that we get eternal life. We get to live eternal life. And I've said and I've heard that eternal life does not happen the day that you get put in the ground when you leave this earth from, from your fleshly body. That eternal life starts... The day that you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. That is the day that eternal life. I'm, I'm living eternal in eternal life right now. Because I know that I'm saved. And Major Ian Thomas asked the crowd, I can imagine it in my head what it might have looked like, but, but he said, what is eternal life? And I'm like, I got this. I know it. Because I know when it started. And what he said is that the definition of eternal life is Jesus. Jesus is the definition of eternal life. It's not this place beyond the clouds. It's not this place that, that we're just hoping to get to. It's not this place. It's Jesus living in us. Philippians 1.21 says to live is Christ. I've, ne I've never got that before. Maybe you're struggling with it right now and that's fine. And I ask, go ask the Lord to help you out with that. To live is Christ. To die is gain. But I want to stop on that spot. To live is Christ. He is life. He is eternal life. And it is Him that lives through us. So as I'm, as I'm thinking about this, and as I'm letting it hit me, and I'm letting the Spirit do His thing in my heart, because I was, I was kind of going crazy as I was listening in the tractor to this sermon. I remember that Jesus is the author and the finisher, the perfecter of faith. I remember that. And so I'm thinking, I'm, I'm getting it all. I'm figuring out that 
what this life thing is all about. And I've, I talked to An Andrea about it a little bit, and then I, I, came, I had this question. I had this question. So here we are as Christians. Why do we spend so much of our time thinking about, reading about, listening about the cross? Why do we spend so much time and energy thinking about the cross? Like if Jesus Christ is life, and He lives in us, and we have life in Him, He is life, why do we spend so much time thinking about the cross? We ought to be thinking about life. Because there's so many things that, and, and if, you're, if you're raising your eyebrows at me, just bear with me, all right? <laughs> I'm seeing someone go like, hey, you better get out of there. <laughs> uh, we think about that, and I do. I don't want to be... I don't want to be a pessimist. I don't want to come to church and just hear about death all the time. I want to hear about life. And, and uh, so, so Andrew and I, we did. We sat down. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get this figured out. I'm going to get this straight. We started researching a little bit. And did you know, I looked up in my concordance on my phone, that in the King James Version, the word cross is only mentioned 28 times. Which 28 is a pretty good, size, pretty good size number. I'll say that. But in the New Testament, the word cross is in there 28 times. And sometimes it has to do exactly with what the cross is. That it's a that it that it that's what it is. It's a cross. Other times, obviously, it, it talks about what Jesus did on the cross and things like that. And uh, as as I continued on, I, I'm like, I'm going to look up the word life. The lot. Just real quick, the cross is only mentioned in the New Testament. The word cross. I know that there's all kinds of things that point toward the cross in the Old Testament, but the word cross is only in the New Testament 28 times. Life. The word life is in the Old Testament 450 times. And in the New Testament itself, there's 171 times that the word life is mentioned in the New Testament. So I'm going, dang, we need to be talking about life. And then I asked Andrew, I said, I wonder how long it took. Because I, I feel like I should know this as a Christian. As if I'm going to stand up in front of a congregation and preach, I ought, to, I ought to at least know a few things. But how long did it take from the time that Jesus Christ was arrested to the time that he died on the cross. Many of you may know this. But I looked it up. And there's, there's Bible scholars that went and done research. And they've looked through the Gospel of John. And they've looked through Matthew, Luke, Matthew Mark, and Luke. And they've kind of narrowed it down to that Jesus Christ was arrested by the Roman soldiers at about 3 o'clock a.m. in the morning. A.m. in the morning. I didn't have to say that. I could have just said a.m. <laughs> Jesus Christ was arrested about 3 o'clock in the morning. And he was taken, he was put on trial, and this was 3 o'clock Friday morning. He took his last breath, give or take, said it is finished, at 3 o'clock Friday afternoon. 12 hours. 12 hours went by from the time that he was arrested to the time that he took his last breath. And so I'm thinking about this, like, this is just such a small fraction of a fraction in time of 6,000 years that this earth has been around the small fraction of a fraction of time that Jesus Christ endured all that stuff. And yet we preach so much about the cross. But there's all this life that lasts forever. It's everlasting. It's eternal. There's only a little fraction of a fraction of the amount of time that sometimes we spend on life. And I'm thinking, God, I got it. You're, you're, you're feeding it to me. Because He is the author and the perfecter of faith. So, as Andrew and I continued researching and continued opening the Bible, some things really started coming out at me. And the fact is, 
that it's all about what happened on the cross. If we erase that, if we don't think about what happened on the cross, life don't mean a darn thing. I, I came across a passage, I don't know, I think it was in Colossians somewhere, I didn't write it down, but it was talking about that there, were, there are people that were too worried about looking good. Even after Jesus Christ came to this earth and was crucified, and they knew the truth of who Jesus was, and they were too worried about looking good, and they were still pushing circumcision. And it says because, because they, were, they were too worried about suffering for the cross. Like, how sad is that? They're too worried about what they look like, what their life is like right now, and they're afraid they're going to get persecuted if, if they don't believe in circumcision because of the cross, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's a new covenant. The old law doesn't matter anymore. They're afraid they're going to get persecuted for the cross, so they just keep on going. So many times we, we try to figure out, we keep coming up with ways that we can gain our own life. You know, if we only think about life, if we only think about life, we may forget what the death of Jesus was for. And we, that's why we have to keep continue to remember that. I think it says somewhere in there, I don't know, if, I just wrote this note down. I don't remember if it was something I read in there or something that I just know to be true. If you become an enemy of the cross, you will never experience life. If you become an enemy of the cross, you will never experience life. The cross and what happened on it, even the three or four hours that he might have spent on that cross hurting, and he was bloody, and he was sore, and he was crying out, was such a snippet in time. Such a small amount of time. But it was a snippet in time that allowed for the absence of time to be available for us, and for that we should be thankful. It was a snippet in time it allowed the rest of us to know what eternity looks like, what it feels like. So we can experience life. In that moment, we're crucified with Christ. In that moment that we ask Jesus Christ to come into our heart. In that moment that we ask Jesus Christ to come and, and take care of our lives in that moment, in, in that split second that you hit your knees and you ask Him. For me, it was when I was about second or third grade. It was that moment. I might live to be 90 years old, I don't know, and that, that amount of time is so small. At that point, I was crucified with Christ so that I could live, so that I could have life, so that Jesus could live in me. I'm going to have a music team and invite them back up here. As you think about that, as the music team makes their way back up here, if you flip your Bibles open to Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 has a lot. It is deep. We could probably spend a month of Sundays talking about Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith 
in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This, for me, is the verse that brings all the gospel like full circle in my heart. And Paul wrote this, but it means, it means this, is, this is for, for everyone who is a Christian who has come to Christ. I have been crucified with Christ in that snippet in time. And it's no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. That's forever. That's forever. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Remember that faith? He is the author. He is the perfecter of it. He's the finisher of that faith. And it was a gift from Him. The Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. We have to think of the whole gospel. We can't just take parts of it. We can't just take the part that Jesus Christ was on the cross. And we can't just take the part that He was in a grave and was risen three days later to live in us. We can't separate those. Those are two things that come together. He died for our sins. He died for our transgressions. And that's taken care of. And now He lives in us. So today, you know, during Sunday school in our prayer time, there was... A lot of prayer. There's a lot of hurt in this world. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things that are affecting us in ways that we don't like. We like to be happy. We want to have a life. <laughs> we want to be good. But you know what? This is this is us. This is what we're doing. And there's just because you're a Christian, just because you come to Jesus, doesn't mean that the road is going to be smooth. There's going to be bumps along the way. But Jesus Christ has given you life. And if you think about your faith, and sometimes I've got hard on myself because I'm like, I just don't have enough. I don't have enough faith. I'm weak in my faith. I need more faith. And, and I, I get to beating on myself because I'm not strong enough. But you know what? It's not up to me what kind of faith it is. It's just the fact that He authored it and He perfected it, and I just need to go grab a hold of it. Because it was for me to get. He gave it to me as a gift. So today, if you're sitting there and you haven't thought about that think on it some more and if there's questions that you have coming out of this deal i just i hope that you go and you find your bible and you you'll find god and you get by yourself somewhere and get down on your knees and pray and ask him to help you figure out the answers that he wants to give you because he has the answers i promise you that he has the answers get in a wrestle match with him it's kind of fun if you're sitting there today and you haven't taken the opportunity to allow jesus christ to come into your heart today is the day to do that Today is absolutely the day to do that because you know what? Tomorrow, tomorrow ain't guaranteed. And you know what? Tonight, I'm going to be headed down to Burlington to present the message at a service for a man who's passed away, and it's kind of hit me. Tomorrow, it ain't guaranteed. Today's the day. Eternal life. And, and even if you don't pass away tomorrow, you still get life. You still get life. And it's Jesus that lives for you. I'm going to be up here if anybody needs prayer, if you have questions. I'm going to stand right up here while the music team sings. I think we've got a few elders that can make their way to the back if someone needs prayer. Because that's what we do. We lift each other up. Help us, helps to use the Christ that's living in us to help everyone else out. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you, <laughs> for this gift of faith that you've given us, God. 
And God, when we hook on to it, God, it's something that uh, you won't let us go. And Lord, I thank you for that so much. No matter the mountains, no matter the valleys, God, that you are right there in the middle of all of it. And God, this morning, I just pray that everyone can hear that you are the author. You are the protect, perfecter. You are the finisher of this faith, God. And, and it, is, it is by faith in you that we get to have life. And God, it's not because of what we've done. It's not because, because we're a good person. It's not because uh, we, we have a great business, God. It's not because, it's not because of the, the sin that we've tried to get out of our life. It's because of what you have done on the cross, Lord. And we thank you for that faith. And, and, uh, and, and what you did on the cross erases all of that. It is gone, God, and help us to see that. Help us to understand that because, Lord, when we can see that that stuff is gone and we understand that you were in the grave for three days, that you were resurrected, not only to go live at the right, to, to be at the right hand of God forever and ever, but, Lord, you were raised so that you could live in us. God, I just thank you so much for that life, and I just pray that every person in here, anybody that's hearing this can, can feel your spirit just understand what life is. God, we thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the ability to get in wrestling matches with you and, and for you to, to minister us and to help us to understand you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You stand with us and sing.